We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your True Faith Podcast. I'm your host this week, Mickey Collin. Alex is having a well-deserved week off podcast. I think everyone can agree. Um, <clears throat> we're here tonight to talk through the... Um, I don't even want to call it a point, point away at Wolves. And just before, just before I crack on though, I just want to quickly mention um, Mike Ashley has come out with a statement tonight. Yeah, maybe the the third or third or fourth in fourteen years, and bizarrely has fallen on the side of football fans in general and fans of Newcastle United, which is weird. It's a weird feeling, and this is you know this is where we are in 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 English football now. We're closer to the opinions of Mike Ashley than we are the Premier League. That's, I mean, that's quite something, isn't it? And that, that's that's twice in a twice in a year we've got that. I don't, does anyone want to say anything? It's I find, I'm finding myself feeling really uncomfortable that I agree with him again. I think it's, um, it's usually clear that anytime Mike Ashley does anything like this, it's usually um for selfish reasons <laughs> he's not necessarily the most charitable or supportive of um fan issues when it comes to Newcastle United so there's a, there's a play here there's a play here what it is yet yeah, probably hasn't fully emerged yet but it is what it is take it however you want to it's really weird <laughs> it's kind of a weird uh, like stockholm syndrome isn't it you know, when you start to feel <laughs> sympathy for the person that has kidnapped you, uh, and you know, feeling aligned with them, it's it's odd. I don't like it. For yeah, those like who, for those who haven't read it, because this has literally just come out. Um, basically, Mike Ashley is saying that he thinks that the pay per view is way too expensive. He thinks that it should go down to like four ninety five right through till Christmas. He thinks it's extortionate. This is a man who hasn't paid people back that are paying his club for season tickets still. But okay, go off. Um I just I find it just really strange. It's re- it's it's so at odds with what he's literally currently doing. Even though they've said they might, you know, they're gonna try and pay people back before Christmas. Oh well that'll be great. Thanks like, Nick United. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. Nothing's publicly been said, I don't think. I I, I don't know. I mean you say that, but this is a man who has spent decades slapping everything that must go closing down sale on stuff. So I guess him giving pricing a bit of a kicking is aligned with that. But I don't know what to think on anymore. Brand. That's yeah. on brand. Are you suggesting that uh, Mike Ashley's closing down sales are not really closing down sales? Uh, I would need to consult with a lawyer before I gave you an opinion on that one, Mickey. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is the free show, isn't it? So it goes out to everyone. So maybe maybe he's listening. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, he he did manage to get in digs at pretty much everyone else in it. Uh, so he, he's criticised the price and he's criticised the Premier League. Also said that there should be no VAT charged just to get a little a little stab in a, a government. So another another thing that you know, <laughs> kind of agree with him with at the minute. Um, really strange. Anyway, let's let's not spend any more time talking about Mike Ashley and how much we like him. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna um, we're gonna try. We're going to try here, everyone, and start with the positives from from Sunday's Sunday's game. We'll call it a game. Um, it's a point away from home and defensively a much better performance. Charlotte, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, um, 
We are starting positive, right? So my thoughts, my thoughts, I'm going to have to try and rebrand them. Um, you're right. We were defensively a lot more solid. I thought it was a pleasure to see Alma run back in the side. Um, I didn't really, we'll, we'll talk more, I'm, I'm sure, about formations and things like that, but I didn't really know what we're going for when I saw the lineup, but um, we held our own. Obviously, Wolves are a team who don't do much in the first half. Typically, um, they sort of seem to get the lay of the land, push in, and then on the second half, um, really go for it, um, which they did. Um, they pushed, they pressed us a lot harder in the second half, but you're right, um, we were defensively an absolute mess against Man U, and that, <clears throat> I didn't, that didn't come across on... Um, Yes, in yesterday's game, um, some positives to take. Yeah, a point's a point. I mean, I thought that would be the best we could get out of yesterday's fixture. So great, I guess. <laughs> I can't argue with that. I think the the standout the standout positive from from yesterday's game was the performance and and goal of um, Jacob Murphy. Mm-hmm. Chris, Chris, I thought he I thought he had a, a, a cracking night. Um, and I loved hearing afterwards that he like spent the night before the game researching the goalie and thinking about shooting low and hard. Um, uh, there's just something there's something really nice about that, isn't there? Like that a Premier League footballer would be sitting at home being like, "Where can I shoot past the goalie to score?" Bearing in mind he hasn't played in the Premier League for like four years, he's still got that confidence to be thinking about his um, thinking about his, his chances from a free kick. What did he What did he make of his performance? And is he in the team next week? Uh, yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, I mean, the question is, is he the new Matt Ritchie in that he's a midfielder that may have been converted to a defensive role, uh, possibly? But he was absolutely excellent at right back. Um, and you mentioned about the kind of late night revision that he did in the hotel room. I had, I had visions of, you know, Jacob Murphy cramming for an exam, like when he was sitting in his GCSEs or something, you know, the mm-hmm. night before the big, big exam, cramming for it. But yeah, he was fantastic uh, defensively, but also going forward as well. Um, put a couple of good balls in, as well as the goal, of course, as well. Um, that ball in for Callum Wilson, that Callum Wilson probably should have done a little bit more with. But yeah, it was really good. I thought it was a really good performance. And as to whether he should keep his place, yes, definitely. I think he has to, doesn't he? And he, he contributed a lot, to, I thought, to the defensive performance, which wasn't, it wasn't just solid when we, when we kind of got everyone behind the ball as we did in the second half. And we'll come out of that a bit later. But I thought, even when we were attacking, we was uh, briefly as it was in the first half. I still thought we looked more solid defensively, which, um, which you know, it is it is a positive. You know, let's let's be positive when we're going to be positive. That that was a positive from yesterday's game. The other one, Adam, that I that I want to look at, and Charles mentioned him briefly. I thought the the performance of Almiron in a, a fairly unexpected and pretty unusual position, I would say, was um was was a massive a massive plus for us and. It begs the question: Why hasn't he been playing earlier in the season? And if you looked at if you looked at Bruce's interview, he basically he basically said anything and everything that he possibly could to excuse the fact that he hasn't been playing. Arguably, one of our best players. What what did you make of him yesterday, Adam? And and why why really hasn't he been in the team? I mean, get your conspiracy theories out for why he hasn't been in the team because. What you get with Almiron, he's not a luxury player. You, you could argue Sam Axelman absolutely is that luxury player, but he is a luxury player that can change a game, um, can frighten defences, can create something out of nothing, can be a spark, can be a, an influence to other people around him. But his defensive work isn't great, and we know that. Miguel Almiron is creative. He's quick. He's direct. He causes problems. He stretches defences. He runs between the lines. He runs channels. He can dribble, he can take people on, but he also has the tactical discipline as well that he will cover and he will get back and he will chase back and he will he will get back and help his defense when when we're out of possession. And because of his energy levels and his stamina, it means that you, you don't have to kind of compromise one for the other. He can he can just run all day long. And that's this is what I really, really find tricky about this all because you want to play, you know, Steve Bruce clearly wants to look towards playing counter-attack football. That's 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 possibly what he's trying to do. We, none of us really, really know what is in his mind. But it looks like he wants to be trying to play with counter-attacking football. However, 
his consistent selection of Joe Linton was was at odds with that. You need mobile, quick, direct players who are technically sound, can take people on and stretch defences when they're vulnerable on the counter-attack. Almiron has that. Joel never had that. He will never have that. It's not he's not that kind of player. He slows he slows those attacks down, if anything. Miguel Almiron, I think, you know, the first time I started thinking, like, well, come on, he's, he's not injured. He's just not being selected here after the first few games of the season. And I think he'd only played about sort of 300 minutes and he'd and he'd already scored, and cup games included, but he'd he'd got three assists and one goal without even playing like the, the, the full total equivalent of like three matches. Like he was one of our best performing players in a side that was, that has been absolutely parched crying out for some creativity for forward passes for final third passes for you know chances created to 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 create meaningful threats against the opposition yet he's sat on the bench now the only thing i can possibly think of because bruce is probably wired like this is that joe linton was kind of his and Almiron was definitely a Rafa signing, and he he seems very very obsessed with his predecessor more so than everyone else seems to think so. Like <laughs> he's the only one talking about the past manager after previous criticism. Like I, that's the only thing I can think of because what Almiron brings is he should be the one pulling the strings. He's he's when he's out there, he's probably our our most intelligent attacking player, and it doesn't mean he makes the right decisions all the time, but he he's got good vision and he can he basically just likes to make things happen but he he's not a luxury player like Sam Maximan so he's vital to this team absolutely vital Adam I really like that you used not on just one occasion but on two occasions then the past tense when you talked about Chilinton uh, which, <laughs> which I enjoy very much and I think says a lot um, but just to kind of you talked a lot there about his offensive um skills Almiron not Jolinton but just to give a bit of a shout out to his defensive work yesterday um he made eight tackles in that game double the most the next most effective player which was Lewis so he was absolutely everywhere and uh yeah I I thought he had a really really fantastic game I agree that that kind of leads as well into the the next section of the show I'm afraid everyone that the the positives are over um, and without, without wanting to sound too much like Sai, we've done 11 minutes of an hour long show and we're, we're done talking about the positives. Almiron did have a great game. He did have a great game. There's no denying that. Roberto Rojas on Twitter said that it was, it was disappointing to see him having to do so much defensive work. Now that will happen when you're playing in a central midfield position. Was that quite where Almiron was playing? Who really knows? Because the team came out yesterday at three 30 and it was mental, you know, it, it, like it was absolutely mental. I've got like, you know, not to be big headed, but I've got like three or four WhatsApp groups with friends. And, <laughs> all right. And all of them, everyone was just like, what, what is going on? Like, wh- who's playing right back? Who's playing in centre mid? Why do I have no, no right backs and no centre mids, but loads of wingers? What, what is it? What, what's the team going to be? And then the lineup and we we'll see that it's, Five across the back with Murphy at right wing back. We've never seen that before. To his credit, that that really worked. So we'll leave that particular part of it out. <laughs> that really worked. It could easily not have, but it did. So credit where it's due. And then in midfield, we had one central midfielder, Hendrik, who was miles better in centre mid than he's been on the right, but played on his own. And then we've got two, well, one definite winger and one Almiron, who's definitely not a centre mid. And then... Maximan, who was poor, and and Wilson, Charlotte. Yeah, so I suppose, yeah, I mean, I just want to highlight as well that I'm in upwards of two WhatsApp groups as well um, with my friends. Um, we, I can't yeah. compete with that. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, the team sheet came out. I was having a Sunday roast outside um, with my friend and it came out and I just was like staring at it like, what? how what how is this being lined up I have no idea I just couldn't work it out and um my friend couldn't 
have cared less and ordered the bill and I had to leave. Um, and and then uh, I think Chris Woff from The Athletic um, tweeted that this is the fifth formation by his count. And I will take his count because I think um, Chris is very good with the sort of stats and analysis stuff. Um, fifth formation we've played um, from the start of Premier League games this season in six matches. Now, now, like that's just absolutely crazy to me. So we've played four four two, four two three one, four one four one, five four one, and then five three two. For me, that reeks of a of a team with no identity. It like it just looks like you're throwing everything at the wall and um desperately just seeing what sticks. Like I, I just it 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 confounds me. Um, and I saw it and I just thought, well, God almighty, this is, you know, this is a team that tries to react week on week. It's not a team that, and I think that's something, uh, George Colkin from the athletic, not that I'm not being paid by the athletic, but I wish that was, um, he, um, he pointed out in an article today, um, you know, um, that, that everything we do is like a response. It's never sort of this proactive thing. It's a very reactive way of setting up. It's a response to last week. It's a response to the week before. It's, well, we're quite, hopefully they'll quieten down critics now and then it doesn't. And then it's a response. Um, and then that's what that's what happens when you're shaking it. You have to constantly respond. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's not a it's not a proactive way of it's people aren't going to come to you, um, come to St James's Park, or we're not going to go to the Molyneux, and, pe- and our opponents are not going to be like, oh, uh, we know how they're going to set up because it's like it depends on how bad or good we were or passable we were the week before. And I think as well, um, you know, just to that point, and I will I will shut up soon. We're told all of this is sort of necessary to make us better, but almost every single statistic with regards to Newcastle United is that we're worse. And and we're told, you know, it's 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 yeah, we were told we should be grateful. I got into a big argument with a friend of mine at work today. I was very loud. Was it over shouting. WhatsApp? No, no, it was in real IRL in real life because um, I'm being forced into the office. Um, but he's a Spurs fan, and he was telling me, you know, we well, should be grateful. Like, fourteenth is good. That's that's good for you. And I just, it just drives me crazy that argument. But um, but yeah, I, I think it just it ties back into what Steve Bruce keeps saying, which is we just need time. We just need time. We need to work out what's what's right for us. We just need time. We'll it's it's almost verbatim what he said when he left Sunderland and he was there for two and a half years I, I just I just it baffles me and I also think and, and I did say that I would shut up but um keeping going I, I also think that that feeds into the players I thought Almiron played very well yesterday but every time it closed it, like there was a close-up on his face I couldn't see a smile he wasn't smiling I think players are working hard in formations they're just not, you know, sure of or comfortable in, and and it's just it's just insane to me. It's really confusing what he's trying to do, isn't it? I mean, looking at like you say that that many formations. In in fairness to Steve Bruce, and I know this is going to make some people gasp, but I'm going to try and play a devil's advocate slightly here. Only slightly, though, because it was it was a, it was an injury crisis of his own making, really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, is we all know the problems with injuries and conditioning and coaching at our at our club. It's it's no coincidence. There's a pattern of it. There's a pattern of it in previous jobs that he's had as well. This is just what he does. He runs players into the ground, and we get lots of muscle injuries. It's it's, it's he's been playing injured players. He played Darlow, who was lucky to start against Wolves. Um, he's been playing an injured Shelby for weeks, apparently, when that doesn't seem like a great idea either. So what we can do is, obviously he had lots of injuries, which meant that he was almost forced to play the the, the, the four that we, what we all wanted to see in tandem, in tandem, there's four of them, double tandem, uh, of <laughs> Wilson, Sam Axeman, Almiron and Ryan Fraser. However, when it finally happened, it's so, so Steve Bruce that two of them were essentially as almost like advanced centre midfielders, which in such a bizarre formation, so it's, it's weird. So there is a bit of mitigation with the selection yesterday um, in that, you know, 
Long, Long, Sean Longstaff had was, was come back from a, uh, an illness. Um, was it like tonsillitis or something? Yeah. Obviously, Shelby's out. Hayden wasn't deemed fit enough, so he had, there had to be a reshuffle there. But it's weird because he's he, what Steve Bruce has said is that he wants to play two up front. Now, for me, Saint Maximan through the middle doesn't work. He works better from the wing. So, if he wants to play two up front, which his body's come out and said before, but then you, you look at us playing a wing back system against Wolves where one of our best players was Jacob Murphy playing on the as right wing back does that mean we're now going to be playing <laughs> are we now going to be playing with wing backs and does that mean that then you go back to three centre midfielders and two up front who's the two up front where does Almiron fit into that does he just come from deep all the time where does St Maximin fit into that is he just going to once again play square pegs and round holes to fit a formation that he's not completely certain on. It's very, very strange. It's really, really difficult to preempt what he is, what exactly he's trying to do. And this is a common theme. We, we talk about this every week. What is the plan? What's his best, yeah. what's his best lineup and what is his formation? It's, it's, it's really, really telling just how many times he's, he's, he's shifted things about. And it's remarkable that we haven't lost more than we have. It, it, it really is crazy. It sort of defies a lot of logic, but then this is kind of 2021 20, season, isn't it? Things are strange. Very, very strange. Things are strange, but the the, pop, the problem I've got with it, with, with you know, you, you've got all those questions there, Adam, which are really valid questions, like, does that mean we're playing with wingbacks now? How? Do, who's going to go up front with Callum Wilson? Those are really valid questions, ones I'd love to know the answer to. But I don't believe that even Steve Bruce or any of the Steves know. Like, because, like, I say it's such a reactionary way of playing. I just don't think there's a plan. And I know that that's something we say week in, week out, and I'm sure that we'll continue to say it until... Steve Bruce leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Don't <laughs> jinx it. <laughs> to give him to give him another little bit of credit, I reckon he's the first one ever to play that formation. What does what's that credit for? Like, okay, well done. Like, I'm I'm being sarcastic, Charlotte. Okay. <laughs> I'm too angry. <laughs> I'm there trying is, to keep it down. There is no credit due because it, <laughs> it, it, it was absolutely nuts, and it, you know it it showed it showed straight away. I think. We we started so badly, so slowly. We could we couldn't string a pass together. You know, Alex said in the WhatsApp group he thought there was fourteen minutes until we made a single completed pass in their half, and I I didn't see us complete many passes in our half before that. And that's you know, fourteen minutes in football is a, a long, 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 long time. Chris, is that is that just what happens when you change system, which we do all the time? You know, five five and six games, and you do have to believe. Um, Chris from the Athletic about that because he literally spent a whole night watching all of the shots Newcastle have conceded this whole season. Like what? That's such a boring task. I hope you at least. Task. I hope you at least made it a drinking game of some of some sort. <laughs> but, but like, poor Chris, poor Chris. Yeah, bless him. Someone had to do it. Um, is is it just a, a product of the system, though, Chris? Or, 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 you know, is is that a part of Newcastle United now? It's pretty bonkers, isn't it? Um, and it's pretty rich. I think we've discussed this over the last few weeks, but he's still trotting out this line that it's a work in progress and credit to NUFC.com, not the Athletic for this one, but they tied up that it's 44 Premier League games that we've had under Steve Brees now. What is it, 15, 16 months? And he's still saying that we're a work in progress. I mean, which other manager, you know, how bad a manager would you need to be to have not stamped some degree of identity on your side after that amount of time? Um yeah, it's pretty bonkers. Um, I think even a cynic would have expected that, you know, he, he would have imposed some kind of structure, plan, focus on the whole thing. I think we did really miss Hayden and even Shelby. And I know that on this podcast and me included over the last few weeks that we've really been pretty critical of Shelby, I think rightly, but... Is there no one else that could have come in? I think it's quite telling that Matty Longstaff wasn't even in the matchday squad. I mean, Sean Longstaff was, but he came on and yeah, he didn't look well. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me that much if he'd been rushed back uh, much earlier than he, he might have been. I think the other thing that it, this kind of disarray might have been down to is 
it's just the amount, all these days off that the squad is supposedly having at the moment. And we've had this over the last kind of few weeks from various journalists that the, our squad seem to get far more days off, uh, win, lose or draw, than uh, than other sides. So, yeah, I mean, there's a few things there, but it's just a bit of a mess, really, isn't it? It is. It's it's an absolute mess. Um, you know, that, that slow start we did... To, again, like give a little bit of credit because we don't want to just be just be negative all the time. We don't we don't want to do that. It, you know, it's it's very easy to be negative all the time, broadcasting out at the minute because everything's so bad. But after the slow start, for a spell in the first half, things did work a little bit, and you know, and getting all those attacking players on the pitch did start to have a bit of an impact because we we did have a lot of players ahead of the ball when we when we managed to get possession, which was infrequent. But when we did get possession and we carried the ball up to the halfway line, we often had four or five players ahead ahead of the ball. Now it's it's a long time since you since you've seen that more than once or twice a game for Newcastle United. I think we did it maybe five or six times in the first half where we had a number of different options. The 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 problem with that is when you when you don't have anyone to distribute the ball effectively to those players. And th- this isn't a criticism of Hendrick, and we're going to get on to Hendrick later on. But he was he was in central midfield on his own as a passer and as a creator. He he was there on his own. That's that's a tough tough gig. And when you don't have someone that's going to make those passes, and you don't have someone that's going to pick out the players that are in space that are ahead of the ball, then it then it's almost pointless. And towards the end of the first half, it's almost like the players knew that, and it just stopped happening. And by the end of the first half. We had nine men behind the ball with, with Maximan trying at times to also get behind the ball as well. And he came looking, deep looking for the ball. And in the second half, I mean, every, everyone's watched it until, until they scored in the second half. I can't remember a time where we had more than more than three players in their half, basically. It was, it was that negative. Charlotte, did you, did you see things the same way? Is that, I mean, is, it, is that a product of the system? Is that, is that just Steve Bruce's Newcastle United? Yeah, I actually, I just think that it is. I, ju- I don't have loads more to add than what you've just said. I think it's a little bit sad and depressing, but I think it is. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 was hoping, I was hoping you might have had something um, some, something a little bit more positive to try and take away from my negativity. Chris, can well, Chris you, can you do any... it. Maybe Chris, Chris can be positive. I'm really sorry. I keep trying to like flip my opinions and try and make it a bit different but i can't really argue with what you said it's just impossible isn't it? chris go on I hate, do it. Uh, I hate to run in the parade i'm not really positive <laughs> here oh i'm sorry um if you want a really damning statistic from yesterday we had as many shots on target as we had players in our team named jamal two <laughs> if you count on them it's pretty bad isn't it yeah yeah it's dreadful it's, it's absolutely dreadful that is something that's happened, obviously, all, all season for us. We haven't we haven't had shots on target. It just just isn't us. But you should, like looking at the team sheet yesterday with those that amount of attacking players in there, you you should be having shots on target. You should be having chances. But and but the, oh, sorry, with that amount of Jamal's, there's just more. There just has to be more to it than than the formation. It's not. It's not just the formation. The, the formation was nuts. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> But the, there's an attitude there, and there's there's definitely a problem. And, and whether it comes from the players or whether it comes from the coaching staff, I don't know. It's impossible to know from the outside. We'll never get the answer to that question. It's probably partly both. I would definitely lean towards it coming from the manager. We just don't try and get forward. It's it's so frustrating to watch. We 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 are winning the ball, and when, when we're playing, you know, I don't want to say as well defensively to to make this point, but we did we did have a solid game defensively yesterday. That that's difficult to argue with, and. Yeah. It's easier to do that, of course, when you've got three centre halves on the pitch and two and two wide players that are playing quite defensively. But we did have a solid game defensively yesterday. But when we won the ball, which we regularly did, there was nothing. To, there's nothing to do with it. You know, it, it it's exacerbated by by ASM having a quiet game because he he is the out ball for us. But we just had nothing there, Adam. No, and it's 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 just. Um... It's very, very frustrating when it's kind of like he's one of those managers, isn't he? Who, like, if he was playing like FIFA or Football Manager, he just like shove basically that formation. It was just like I'll just shove all the best players I've got 
and just like hope and it's like team chemistry's out of 100 is down to about like sort of 35 <laughs> just just red there's just red zones all over the, the the formation lineup because everyone's playing out of position <laughs> barely any people have actually played with each other because everyone's been stuck on the bench like <laughs> it's just like it's it, it's it's not even how you would go about a football simulation let alone managing an actual premier league football club um it's it's very 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 bizarre um I, I don't know i don't honestly you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't have a go at guessing the starting lineup for the next game you just couldn't there's, there's absolutely there's a, it's an it's absolutely impossible you could have a go you could just put all our numbers into like a bingo thing and just pull, pull them out that that must be how it's done. Uh, Where, where's Mystic Meg when you need it? <laughs> I'm sure she's around. Um, Adam kind of makes his points sound positive because he laughs when he says them. So if you just listen to him laughing and not the actual words, <laughs> that sounds positive. I'm either going to laugh or cry, Shah. So like, laugh I'll, away, I'll go, my friend. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with that one. Um, no, I was I was going to say. Um, I was going to say, I think that one of the problems with regards to sort of moving the ball forward from us was that um, ASM was was in far too a, a central role. I know that you've said that already, uh, Mickey, but um, and 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 then I suppose a game like that, and I, and I kind of have like slagged him off a bit lately, and I know that we went on off on one about John Drew Shelby, but a game like that kind of it does highlight that when John Drew Shelby's, you know. At the top of his game, or having a good game, even just or like putting actually putting some effort in and not being lazy and not being petty, that's the kind of player that you need in the middle of the pitch, um, sort of or 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 or, or a long staff in his day, but not not as not as last season performance, um, I just I, I think there's something missing there in the middle of a field to um because like you say our defense was solid yesterday you can't really fault it um but. Uh, you know, we just we just couldn't couldn't make it work in the middle of the field, and, and ASM just gets lost there. I mean, you know, you 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 wait and watch him because he's so exciting a player, and when he's when he's got those side channels to go up and down, he's just he's amazing to watch, and and like he's clearly enjoying it. But he was so playing such a central role yesterday, like he he, he barely made an impact for me. I don't know if that's a bit harsh, but. I thought it was probably his worst his worst game in Newcastle shirt save the um save the Brighton game this year. He, he was he was really poor. I don't want to I don't want to put too much blame on him though because I don't know what I don't know what we expect of him and, and to an extent you could say the same about Almiron yesterday because for either of those two to to have any impact on the game yesterday the way it was other than that kind of brief spell we had in the first half they had to come so deep for the ball and then beat like three or four men to gain 40 yards just to get us into their half. And then and then they have to do it all again to get to the box. It's just it's just impossible. It's it's not going to happen. And I, I have to say, like at the end of the game yesterday, you know, you know, Murphy has got Bruce out of jail for with that with that free kick. It was a brilliant free kick. It was it was so smart. He's picked out the bottom corner. Keeper probably should save it, but doesn't. And Murphy knew that. So credit where credit where that, where it's due for him. But he's got he's got Bruce out of jail and got another hugely hugely lucky point for Newcastle United. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm coming out of that game and I'm thinking. And I want one of you to try and disagree with us here, but I don't know whether you can. I'm thinking we don't look like we're ever going to win a game again. That's that's how bad it has been. And that you know, from the outside, and all of the journalists, you know, not not the local journalists, but all, all of the journalists that don't watch Newcastle United regularly, what's his name? That terrible manager, Tim Sherwood, yeah. in particular, will argue that you know you're coming out of you're coming out of Wolves away with ones each. That that's a good result, but it's 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 just not the truth. Newcastle United, the, the points total for Newcastle United is a lie. It was last season, and it is this season, and it's getting worse, and and that can only go on for so long. Please, can one of you tell us that I'm wrong? I'm not going to say you're wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one of the interesting and noticeable things yesterday was because of the absolutely batshit lineup that Steve Bruce set up with what was it four wingers starting in there. What we didn't have from the bench was anyone that can kind of mix things up, come on and run at defences with a lot of pace. Who did we bring on? Jalinton, Andy Carroll, 
another Sean, uh, Sean Longstaff. Yeah, yeah. A, a, an ill Sean Longstaff. I would like to think that in other games, when hopefully we're playing slightly better, the opportunity to have a fresh, fast, offensive winger from the bench, bench like Ryan Fraser, who obviously started yesterday, um, you know, like Almiron, obviously, well, we don't want him to be on the bench, but you know what I mean. You know, someone that gives us something to worry the opposition, that might count in our favour. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to see, particularly with the games we've got coming up, we've got Everton coming up next, and I think Southampton after them. It's going to be a real task to to be getting a win probably the next four or five games, I think. I'm I'm going to say, Mickey, that you're wrong. Um, yeah, she is. I I think I think there's enough talent on our on our squad that if we keep, even if, even if this is here's my here's my argument. I've just been trying to form it in my head for you. Um, this is very new, so give me a little bit of room to adjust it. Um, even if our approach is just throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks statistically surely one of those formations one of those mad formations is going to procure us a win and it might not be next Sunday against Everton because that's going to be a tough game because they're on a fantastic run at the moment um but we are going to win again someone like Jacob Murphy you know, I didn't expect him to really do a lot more for us. He went out, got some championship experience and came back. And I, I you know, that's a that's someone who really wants to make a difference. Sat in his hotel room, like doing his homework. That's amazing. Uh, it, there, there are some dedicated players on our squad. And, you know, here's, here's something nice about Steve Bruce, because I don't want to just be cruel about Steve Bruce, because I'm sure that he's a pleasant man. But, um, but they he is a good man manager the players like him so you know hopefully that's also going to factor into the fact that we will win another game but when we're good we, you know we're all right like when we're good we're all right <laughs> our slogan um <laughs> if you think about Burnley that was a that was a that was like that was a solid lineup and and a and a good team um and and against a side that you know is probably reasonably around our sort of level anyway so i think that we will win another game and and i think we will win i'm just going to qualify that with uh, we will win another premier league game cuz i'd hope that we're going to you know progress past brentford but um i think we can do it i think we've got it in us it's it's hard to see because because you don't know what the plan is, but I think I think we can. <laughs> I don't think that's my strongest ever argument, but I tried. Well, at least you've like you've picked out the new slogan for the bottom of the badge. Like thought of a defender triumphant is, is outdated now, so it's, we need to change it. When we're when good, we're good, we're right. when we're good, we're all right. There you go. <laughs> Get that into the marketing department. <laughs> Doing a job for you. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, I, you, know, I, you know, I wasn't quite serious that we're never going to win another game. But it does get, it does get to you, doesn't it? When, when you, when we're putting in performances like that, it, it really does bring you down. And especially when it's like the last thing of the weekend, like that's how you finish your weekend, and then you're going into the next week back at work, and you're just thinking, like Christ, that's what we had to put up with at the weekend, and then it's going to be the same again next week. Adam, I know you wanted to talk about something specific, and. I think it's it's come as part of the part and parcel of, of the kind of defensive performance we put in is we were very solid, but we were solid from a deep position, and we we seem to allow a lot of a lot of shots from distance. Yeah, so I mean, one positive that we can take from uh, the Wolves game is the defensive performance. Um, usually, we've been quite poor so far this season in terms of letting teams have shots inside the box. Now. The general rule is, pretty sure I'm right on this, the general rule is um, you are about three times more likely to score from a shot from inside the box than you are from a shot from outside the box. Now, against Wolves, we limited them to only four shots within the box out of 16. So that's basically 25%, quarter quarter of all the shots. Um, 
were inside the box, but that's three quarters that we that we kept solid um, and, and, and kept a fairly good defensive shape to frustrate them. Now, yes, Wolves were wasteful in front of goal. Absolutely. Raul Jimenez should have got should have at least troubled Darlow a, a lot more than he did. Obviously, they ended up scoring from a shot outside the box. However, and and this is it. In terms of Premier League teams who have scored the most from outside the box, so far this season, Brighton have, have three, which is sort of joint top, uh, and Wolves have two, which is still pretty good considering how kind of a rare way that is to score. So even though we kind of played a couple of teams who are pretty good at shooting from outside the box and scoring from those. It's generally a bet. The rule of thumb is it's generally better to reduce those shots from within the box. So wolves, we only managed, we reduced it down to 25% of the opposition shots from inside the box versus man, man United. It was about half. Uh, it was like 15, 15 shots within the box <laughs> against Man United. Spurs with 15 shots within the box. Um, Brighton was six, which was about 50% of their entire um, shot haul that day. Uh, West Ham, we conceded um, 15 shots against them and 10 were from within the box. And that what, what that kind of tells you is that we're kind of, we're almost sitting too deep and yet we're so, uh, uh, positionally, we're probably poor as well because we're getting, uh, cut open and through balls are getting through. And, you know, obviously the more shots and touches that players have in the box, the more chance they have of scoring, troubling the goalkeeper or drawing fouls and, and things like that. So I think it's th- that that was something to focus on. If we want to build on something from this Wolves game, that defensive performance in terms of reducing a team on their own soil to mainly shots outside the box is is not a it's not a bad platform to, to kind of work from if we want to have work in progress that's the kind of defensive performance that we're going to need to see time and time again what we haven't seen is that that kind that level of performance like yet this season like that's the, a couple of games that we did well and and won we were on the offensive a lot but certainly against those elite teams we we've got to we've got to do better because of the threat and West Ham seems to be poor as well, but I just think there's there, there's something there to build on. There's 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 something to work towards. Hopefully, hopefully Bruce can see what a difference that made today. And, and yeah, it compromised the, the the you know our attacking prowess, which has been a problem for for a long time. And obviously, formation and team selection was all over the place as well. But we scraped through. But we need to find a way to be that to to work that hard in defence, but then take the balance and, and 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 have enough going forward to look like we can you know we've we've maybe deserved to win a point because I don't think we did enough yesterday to win a point. It doesn't matter whether we deserve it or not. We got a point, and that's how the game works, and that's how the league works. It's all maths, isn't it? But we, we probability wise, we need to take that defensive eth- work ethic, but then also find a solution for being better in the final third as well, because as we've been talked about so many times on this podcast, we're just too easy to play against. We're just, we're we're too easy. We don't make it difficult enough for our opposition, but there we frustrated and we got some tangible rewards for that. I'm shocked to hear that we conceded 10 shots inside the box against West Ham, because that's a performance that, that you know that that we look to as well as as well as the manager and the team look to this season as the standout performance and you know West Ham West West Ham have proved since then that they're not the mugs that we thought they were they've had they've had some good performances but when we played them they seemed they looked awful they looked really really awful and they they still had ten shots against us inside the box that's that's seriously ominous um, I thought I thought yesterday there was especially in the first half there was a huge amount of unforced errors you know. Players losing the ball when they didn't have to, misplacing passes. Maximan was Maximan was bad for that yesterday, I thought. But at least when when he's doing it, he's trying to do something, and maybe not always in the right area of the pitch. What I was disappointed to see yesterday was, um, and Chris, I want your want, want your opinion on this, please. I was I was really disappointed to see all three defenders misplace passes out of defence, which puts them immediately under pressure. And you know when, when they're doing that from that position. The midfield, not that we had a midfield, but the midfield is out of position as well. And and that 
Wolves attacking players can just come straight onto the defence. That's such a dangerous thing to do in the Premier League and it's, it's something that should, should be happening. Being serious about it, that should be happening zero times in a game. And for all three central defenders to have done that at least once in the game yesterday was a massive concern for me. And uh, I have to say it detracts, in my opinion, it detracts from the defensive performance because that is so bad. And against a team that's that's firing a bit better because Wolves were poor. Wolves were poor yesterday by their own standards. We do that against a, a team that's firing and, and the score one, two, three of those times and we lose the game comfortably. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's disappointing. Um, I think what I would say is that while we'd never want it to happen, I guess Fernandez and Lascelles, who are in that starting lineup, the the back three that we had, are very much traditional centre backs, not very good on the ball. Um, so I can kind of, I don't like it, but I can kind of expect it and understand it to a degree. I think the more surprising one there for me was was Fabian Scher and who noticeably a few times tried a lot of Shelby-esque kind of long balls, but he didn't seem to have the range, so he'd hit them, but they'd fall kind of 10, 15, 20 yards short and, and Wolves had intercept it. I think in terms of mitigation, if I were to try and be, if not kind, at least try and understand the situation with the absolutely batshit lineup, formation, tactics, which I would suggest or you know expect based on that performance, had not necessarily been trained for. It didn't look like it was something they worked for for days, if not weeks, on the training ground for. You know, In that situation, for Lascelles, Fernandez, and to a degree Cher, to kind of to be solid and to kind of not give the ball away, they need to know all the time where, when they have possession, where their teammates are. And, you know, with the best will in the world, if they haven't been practicing out on the training pitch are they necessarily going to know where the midfielders are going to be I, I, I got the sense quite a few times is where you would kind of expect them to kind of to know they, they were spending time looking and then that that time that they were spent kind of looking around for their teammates they're being closed down put under a bit of pressure uh, and that so yeah it's disappointing but I think it's kind of symptomatic of first of all in Fernandes and Lascelles the players that we had there they're not natural ball-carrying players. And also just the lack of kind of training and discipline that we'd had. Yeah, that, that um, you, you're right. And it's the, those defenders I used to have in Shelby and Hayden in front of them, and Shelby in particular, would always be basically next to them when they've got the ball, just wanting to, wanting to do what they were planning on doing, you know, taking that ball from defence and making making the long pass. And, and Cher was clearly trying to, to make something happen, but... It, it, it wasn't coming off. It, it just wasn't coming off. And I wanted to talk about about Hendrik, who I, I said earlier I thought he had a he had a decent game and he looks far more comfortable in central midfield. But he he isn't John Joe Shelby. He's not gonna he's not gonna make the seventy five yard passes. He's not gonna he's he's not gonna fire it in behind for for Dwight Gale when he's fit or for for Callum Wilson now or for Saint Maximan. He he isn't that player. And what is he? I, I just question what what he's supposed to do in central midfield, you're virtually on his own because I actually thought, I, I thought Almiron had a good game. Fraser did all right, clearly incredibly uncomfortable with his position, but but Fraser didn't know where to be. He didn't know, he didn't know that he needs to make options sideways for Hendrik to create space. He, he, he didn't know that sometimes he had to drop back behind him to receive the ball and make another pass. Not, none of those things were happening. And, and Hendrik just looked a bit like every time he had the ball, he just looked a bit lost. Like there was no, nobody for him to pass to. I, it was it was it was a no win situation for, in my opinion for Jeff Hendrick yesterday, and I, I felt really sorry for him because I thought in in another lineup yesterday in a, in a slightly different system and with someone playing alongside him, I thought Hendrick would have had a very good game, um, and I I, I worry that he's not going to be used centrally when when the other lads are back fit, and I, I hope he gets a chance. You know. I, I'm I'm not John Shelby's biggest fan of the evidence of yesterday. He, he probably does come back into the team when he's fit, but I'd like to see Hayden fit and, and Hendrick have a chance to play alongside him, where Hayden Hayden can do a bit of the dirty work. He can do do a bit of the tackling and a bit of the running, and but he can also just like be a bounce pass so that that Hendrick can create a bit of space for himself and advance himself five yards up the pitch without having to beat a man, which he isn't capable of. So I I felt really um I felt really sorry for him. I genuinely felt sorry for him yesterday when I when I realised what the team sheet was and how it was going to look, he must have thought, looking either side of him, in a 
in a three-man midfield with with Almiron on one side, who's obviously massively attack-minded, and Ryan Fraser, who's a normally a very wide winger. He must have thought, Christ, I'm I'm going to struggle here against Wolves. Wolves have got a strong centre mid as well, and it didn't quite turn out like that. I don't think I don't think Wolves completely destroyed our central midfield yesterday, and that that's testament to how good a game I thought Hendrik had quietly to to stop them from doing that. But I really hope he gets a chance of of playing that position properly. Um, and like developing as a as a as a central midfielder for Cassie United because it's, we're crying out for someone to to be consistent and effective in that position, moving the ball forward, and it's the it's the key position for me that Newcastle are lacking. Um, the the other player that I wanted to highlight just before we we finish off touching on um touching on the injury problems and the the injury mistakes I would say rather than injury problems, I just want to have a quick look um. Callum Wilson and his, his performance yesterday, but also I, I'd be really interested to know where his where his mindset is. And, and Charlotte, I thought I'd, I thought I'd put you on the spot on this one. All right. Do, do you think Callum Wilson regrets coming to Newcastle? United? <laughs> what a question! No, I asked that because he was so isolated yesterday. Yes, and, and virtually every time he got the ball, it was fired in at him at more than head height. And you know he did really well with one of them to draw a free kick at the end, and and, and was scored from it. But that was basically the only chance he had to influence the game in the second half, and he must have thought coming to Newcastle he was going to get some chances. And yeah, like is he? I definitely think that Callum Wilson was sold something that is not what what is it? He sold some magic beans or something? Is that what people say? I don't think anyone says that. You know what I mean? I think he was probably told this is a really good opportunity. They're building out the um, sort of attacking threat. We look at Almiron, look at ASM. Um, you know, these are the people who are going to be behind you. Um, we're also bringing in Fraser, although, you know, that I, I don't don't know what that's about because he hasn't played, he hadn't played in so long. Um, do I think he regrets coming? I mean, no, because he was at a Bournemouth side that went down and he wanted to, um, I think, you know, at 28 or 20, what is he, 28, 29, he wants to continue playing in the Premier League for as long as he can. So, I mean, this offered that opportunity. I think it also offered and continues to offer itself up as a bit of a project. He could be a total saviour if he, you know, can 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 get that, uh, like that, that winner every now and then. But you're right, he's got no service um, at all. So in that respect, uh, he might not regret it, but he might be you know, increasingly frustrated at the way that we're set up and the way that we're not supporting him um, and, and creating those opportunities for him because he is, he is a good finisher. He's obviously a clinical finisher. You could see it um, in that Burnley game um, and, and, uh, and he gets himself where he needs to be. It's just that, that, that <laughs> most of the time there's, there's no, there's no one else there. So um, do I think he regrets it? I'm going to say no, because it's still reasonably early. It's only the end of October. We started the season. We're only six or odd games in I'm gonna say no but um something's got to give a little bit for him otherwise I think the answer will turn into a yes it just needs to turn it just needs to turn around for Newcastle it's so important and we 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 do have a bit of a chance Chris I'll let you I'll let you come in and then I'll um I'll finish up with my my point yeah I mean I I would say that I think this club does have a bit of a history of, of leaving strikers isolated and not necessarily giving them the best opportunity to show their skills. And we saw with Rondon, who I think we all enjoyed his contribution. He played very well. He he gave us a lot. but And he scored, what was it, 10, 11, 12 goals in spite of being isolated a lot of the time. And we've got a history there. But you know, to be positive for a second, and I am loath to be positive, as we all know, um, it's not like he's not scoring. You know, he's got four goals in six, mm-hmm. in you know, and he is feeling off scraps. I think if he hadn't scored yet, to kind of echo what Charlotte said a minute ago, I think that would be a very different situation. But he is scoring. He is, you know, he's definitely he's top dog there. You know, and that's not really saying much given the the paucity of alternatives that are around him. Julinson, Andy Carroll, Mutos, off in Spain. You know, that's about it. So he he's top dog. He is scoring. It's tough. 
Charlotte said that he, you know, he came from Bournemouth, a really bad side, which I think it is it is a step up, both in terms of um, the players that he's got around him. Hopefully, the squad atmosphere, definitely based on last season, and you know, he has said in interviews that he is looking forward to the day when he can play in front of a full house at St James's, and then I know that's potentially a bit of PR, and and that's that's very romantic. However, I'm totally sold by it. So, uh, yeah, I don't think he's regretting it. Um, obviously, you know, he would want to be scoring in every game, but four and six is not bad. Yeah, you're right. You know, you are right. And let, let's let's hope things turn and we get we get fans back in the stadium sooner rather than later and, and let him experience that. And I think Nick, uh, Newcastle fans, it, it can go both ways with us, let's be honest. But when we get behind the team, we'll do it really well and, and, and people are going to get behind Callum Wilson. And I'm, I'm quite excited for him to... To experience that actually, because he hasn't, you know, he hasn't really had that in his career. It doesn't count when it's Bournemouth because there's only ten thousand of them. It's it's different. You know, no one can argue that that's that's not the case. Just before we, um, I, I want to finish up just talking about the injuries um, and and where that leaves us moving forward. But just before we do, I, I just thought I'd put a slightly more positive spin on things because it's been a really negative, really negative podcast, and it's going to finish on a negative note as well. Uh, talking about these injuries, but just to put a more positive spin on it, you know, we're fourteenth in the league at the moment. Really, we're probably going to be 15th because Man United are a point behind with a game in hand, and they seem to have, have turned a bit of a corner. But we're, you know, say 15th in the league, 14th if you want to be generous. But we've got a run of games coming up to finish this year that that it's possible that we can get a decent amount of points from if things go our way and if we if we play well. This weekend, come we've got Everton, and we'll follow that with a trip to Southampton. Southampton are in form, but it's it's not an unwinnable game for Newcastle United. We won there last season, got six points off them. Chelsea at home after that, tough game, obviously. But you don't really know what Chelsea you're going to get this year, and then you follow that up with a few games that you would you would fancy would get a decent amount of points from. We've got Palace away, Villa away, West Brom at home, Leeds away, and Fulham at home, and then we're into next year, uh, into playing. Sorry, not in the next year, but then we're into the quarterfinal of the um, of the League Cup at the end uh, towards the end of December. That's a that's a strong run of games. It's a run of fixtures that you can use to build some momentum and build some points on the board and and, and progress up the league. If those games go our way the season could look a lot different to what it does now. If they don't, I think we're in real trouble. You have to back Newcastle United to do all right out of those games. And uh, the, the pressure is, it, you know, if it isn't already, which I, it is, but if you think that it isn't already, the pressure will be on Bruce when it comes to those games. And especially if they start to start to turn against us, he's going to be given the chance to manage the team in those games. Nothing is going to change between now and then. So you've just got to hope that, that we come out of those games in a better position than we go into them because after that, things start to look a lot more bleak, you know, after that, to finish the year and start next year, we've got Man City away, Liverpool at home, Leicester at home. That looks a lot more negative and if you're coming out of, into those games in a dangerous position in the league, we're definitely going to come out of those games in a more dangerous position in the league and then things really start to look hairy. So that wasn't as positive as I hoped it was going to be. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, when just, you, just when you asked if there was a game that, yeah, when you asked if there was that, would, will we ever win a game again? That the first thing that came into my head was, surely we'll beat Fulham. Surely, we'll have to, yeah, we'll have to beat Fulham. They are, they are really bad. Scott yeah. Parker's not not fair, not a very good manager. Just to finish quickly because we've we've gone on for almost an hour now. Um, I just want to I I just want to talk about the injuries and I'm I'm interested to know what what you guys think and I'm sure you, I'm sure you are going to agree, but. There's so many things that are happening when Newcastle United around injuries at the moment that I just can't get my head around. Number, uh, it's a long list. Number one, Carl Darlow clearly injured in the last game. Obviously injured. Everyone can see he's injured. But he finishes the game, and then he, we're, we're coming into the following game a week later, and he's a doubt. And you know he's he's come on and he's he's done well yesterday, but there's every chance that he doesn't he doesn't play in that game, and it would have been a direct result of keeping him on the pitch last week when we didn't have to and we could have, we had subs left. Like, we had subs left, Steve. Change the keeper. If he's injured, change the, change the goalie. It just doesn't make any sense. Sean Longstaff's on the bench yesterday coming back from tonsillitis and like genuinely looked, looked really ill. He looked seriously ill when he came on the pitch. Isaac Hayden not fit enough to start to the point that we're playing one central midfielder. Isaac Hayden and Sean Longstaff are our two options on the bench. Matty Longstaff's played three games for the reserves in the last seven or eight days. Like, he has to be more match fit 
than an Isaac Hayden who was declared who's been declared not fit enough to play, and Sean Longstaff who looked like he like was in the real depths of tonsillitis. Those two points, first of all, Adam, what what is happening? <laughs> well, this is just like I said before. This is a pattern with Steve Bruce. Um, we, we saw the difference between his coaching staff and the previous coaching staff. Yes, we had injuries um, under Rafa Benitez. Of course we did. But I think Rafa Benitez was better at managing um, those players. Um, he didn't, he'd often, sometimes Rafa would make almost like the unglamorous calls and not play the best players almost to be, to, to, to kind of save them. But like, like, like you know, for, for for the fixtures where he thinks they can be more effective, whereas at the minute, like you say, the, the reliance on just a couple of players in our team that, that Steve Bruce has, notably Sam Maximan, to the point that he will risk so much. Like every every game that Sam Maximan plays, he gets a knock and he hobbles and you think, is this it? Like, is he out for two months? Because then what happens? Then we're stuck with um, Joe Litton because he won't bother playing Malmö on Ryan Fraser. Um but but he he just seems to have there's a there's a there's definitely a, there's a definite pattern of this and it's th- this whole idea that the almost the players themselves are dictating whether they're fit enough to to play on the bit like Carl Darlow shouldn't have played that twenty minutes like you said John Joe Shelby we've got a lot of centre midfielders John Joe Shelby shouldn't be being risked to the point that he now needs a hernia operation. Like that's quite an extreme thing when it feels completely preventable that he was put in that position where he could exacerbate any injuries and twinges and tweaks and what, like I'm sure people who are a lot more um, versed in Steve Bruce's managerial history and his squad management than I am. I'd I'd like to think that they're kind of seeing what we're seeing here, but it's just this, it's a recurring pattern that, hasn't improved and it just it's it just feels preventable it's not about being unlucky with injuries there's a pattern it's it, it's it's down to the method it's down to the lack of squad rotation and his lack of trust in fringe players clearly or you know he's got a he's got a an 11 or 12 or 13 that he that he really likes steve bruce but the rest barely get a, a look in unless that it, it's absolutely required as it was against wolves so yeah the, the this this has always been an issue, and it was a it was something that I remember flagging as soon as um, it was announced that Rafa was leaving because I knew for a fact how much of an impact that coaching staff had on the average number of injuries and muscle injuries in our squad. Previous managers have been awful. Pardew was you know Pardew famously kind of rushed Rolanda Aaron's back, and then he got another hamstring injury. Now you know out for another couple of months like that. That was just commonplace before before Rafa and, and, and with Steve Bruce, sadly, he falls into that category as well. I'm afraid he does. And I did, I did want to talk about Shelby as the, as the final point, because it's the same as, it's the same as Darlow, you know, he's, he's been injured and we've continued to play him, but it was, it was the kind of admission that, that Shelby had said he was all right, that I was the most shocked about, you know, Steve Bruce is a manager in Newcastle United. He has a coaching staff underneath him. He has a medical staff underneath him. They should be making the call on whether a player is is, is fit enough to play. And when you know when it's marginal, you, you're obviously going to take the player's word for it. You know, if they say, "I feel fit, I feel fine, it doesn't hurt, I think I can play," you're probably going to trust them when it's marginal. When someone like when someone is on the cusp of a hernia operation, you know, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but like. They must have known. Oh, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> they the must have known. They must have known before this week that there was a problem with Shelby, and they've ad, they've admitted that they have. Why then continue to play him? And and this is also when it's not. You know, you've said we will have a lot of centre midfielders, Adam, and the argument against that could be, could be, but isn't. Could be that Sean Longstaff has been has been ill. Matty Longstaff hasn't been match fit, but Jeff Hendrick's been playing on the right. Jeff Hendrick, who is a centre midfielder has been playing on the right of midfield when John Joe Shelby has been starting in central midfield with a hernia. Like that is just, it's just staggering. And here we are now. Fortunately, we've got two more games before the international break and then we've got a, we've got a, you know, a 10 day, 12 day period of uh, off 
where so Shelby will be fit, hopefully, touch wood, will be fit by by the time we come back from that international break. But we're still going to miss him the next two games. We still missed him against Wolves yesterday. And I'm not John Andrew Shelby's biggest fan, but Charlotte said earlier in the podcast, and she was right, that game was crying out for John Andrew Shelby to come in and have a good game. It really was. And it, and it, it didn't happen and it couldn't happen because we've played him repeatedly with an injury, which is which has been exacerbated by playing him. That should not happen at a Premier League football club. And it's it, it, if you treat it in isolation, the fact that it's happened to John Joe Shelby is, is not good enough. But the fact that it's happened to John Joe Shelby at the same time as it's happened to Carl Darlow, and we almost lost both of them for the game at the weekend, and luckily Darlow's managed to get himself fit. Don't know how. What like You just have to question the decision-making that's going on there. And I, I, feel, I feel bad that I'm going to finish the podcast on this note, but... I think it's important to think about and talk about because it's it's it feels like it's borderline negligent from the, from the manager and his coaching staff to have done that, and it's it's risking a player's fitness in the longer term for for a short term benefit that wasn't necessary, and and Shelby wasn't even playing that well, like it's just I I don't even have the words for it, and I I'm really 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 annoyed, and it's going to happen again. That's the thing. You know this this lesson is not going to be learned, and it's going to happen to one of our one of our more important players. It'll happen to ASM, and if we miss ASM for six seven games of the season, we're looking at zero points. And if it happens in that run of games that I've just described, there we're in we're in real trouble, real real trouble. Uh, guys, I, I I've done I'm I'm done having a rant about Newcastle United tonight. I don't know whether, <laughs> I don't know whether you guys have got anything anything to add before we um before we wrap up. No, I think um if people have made it this far, I'm very impressed. Yeah. I agree. Well, well, sorry everyone for the uh, the super negative podcast. It it needed airing though, and um, you know maybe maybe you'll feel better having listened to everyone else feeling as negative as as I expect a lot of you do. Um, thank you everyone for sticking with True Faith as always. It's a, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you despite the performances in Newcastle United. Um, there's plenty more coming this week. We've got uh, on the Patreon platform, which you can join for seven pounds a month. We've got uh, Prem Patter being recorded tonight by Mike and Norman. We've got the preview, which this week is with Keith Gillespie, right, Charlotte? That's right. Uh, we'll have the preview. Um, back with you for the free podcast next week after Newcastle United's next Sunday game, which I don't like. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.